Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? Welcome into today's show. It is July 1st. I cannot believe we are into Q3. We are halfway through the year. Today on this episode, we're going to talk about what smart money is doing, where they are positioning themselves or not, and how you can follow the breadcrumbs of success. Because at the end of the day, when we think about what is going on in our economy, what the Fed is doing, what the administration is doing, what Wall Street is doing, what big money movers are doing. At the end of the day, anybody that tells you they know exactly what's going to happen is lying because ultimately no one knows. No one knows how bad this recession is going to be, how long this recession is going to be. But what I will say is smart money usually has the most data, the most resources to sift through that data, and they have the ability to move much faster and much quicker and much more strategic before everyone else actually knows what's going on. So it's always great to pay attention to. It's prudent of you as an investor to pay attention to what smart money is doing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, some of the data, but I just want to give uh, first and foremost a big shout out to all of our servicemen and women and all the people that have in the past, currently, and will in the future fought and fight for our freedoms. We are in the most amazing country on planet Earth. And you know what's interesting? This is kind of a little side note. I was interviewing uh, Philip Stutz, and he is uh, his his episode's coming out, and I think in a couple of weeks. But um, got to interview him, and he is a big, 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 big political campaign marketer. He's helped elect three presidents, hundreds of congressmen and women, and basically he took his marketing um, model for political marketing, mainly, which is very data-driven, as you can imagine, right? All the things that are going on and how they market accordingly based on what the data is telling them, you know, from consumer psychology and blah, blah, blah. So I think you guys, one, will really love that episode. So be sure to check that one out. But I was asking him after the show, you know, what do you think? I don't know where you stand politically. He's like, well, I've elected two, you know, two presidents on one side and one president on the other side. So, you know, I have my views and beliefs, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I try and be as unbiased and, and bipartisan as possible. And I said, cool. So what are you seeing right now? Cause he's working on a lot of political campaigns. What are you seeing for the midterms? You know, can you, can you share some of that with me? And he goes, what we are seeing right now based on the data is unlike anything we've ever seen in a midterm before. And it looks like it's going to be a bloodbath. And I'm like, wow, you know, that you, that's what, most people, at least, you know, on the right or some level of middle conservatism, even, you know, left conservative, um, he said so many people have been disgusted 
on the blatant attacks to our freedom from the left that they are literally voting right. Not because they ultimately align with everything on the right, but because they are that misaligned with the left and what they're pushing blatantly, where they're moving our country. Socialism, you know, at least in many policy forms, right? Attacks on freedom, you know, a lot of the things that we've seen just get put right out in front of us now. He said that ultimately already what we're seeing, and I think we saw it in, in Texas, you know, one seat been held by a Democrat for over a hundred years and it's the first Hispanic woman um, that is a Republican. So we may see more and more of this, but I digress on that to just say, thank God for our freedoms and wishing all of you and your families, you know, happy 4th of July, whether it's barbecues, family time, beers, hot dogs, hamburgers, swimming, fun, whatever it is, I hope you celebrate the hell out of the freedom that we have because I am so grateful for every single person that has participated in creating, sustaining, maintaining, and continuing to, right, create an environment of freedom. Like if you think about freedom defined by Merriam-Webster, is the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, constraint and choice, action, or spoken word. And we've seen, again, some attacks on some of those things. But here's why it's so important. You know, with freedom, we're allowed to do whatever we choose to do in order to improve our lives, our financial situations, and the world as a whole. This is why freedom is so important. It keeps our world running, evolving, expanding, innovating, growing. Freedom creates and embraces diversity. It ultimately acknowledges the fact that all people are unique. We all have value to bring. And when you're put in an environment of freedom to Go and explore what those things are without forcing things on others. We know so many countries around the world that are not free and their innovation, their opportunity, their people, right? Their country reflects that lack of freedom. And when you look at America, love us or hate us, you know, left or right, you know, good and bad, we are one of the most amazing things that I think in terms of a, a, a human experiment has ever created and it's been based on freedom. Capitalism might be an argument for number two. And that's where we're gonna shift over to talking a little bit about what is going on in this capitalistic world and society that we're living in because today is day one of the recession. I mean, technically, we've already been in a recession. We've been talking about a recession for quite some time, but when a nation's economy experiences negative GDP for two quarters in a row, that is technically considered a recession. So as much as the media doesn't want to admit it, Janet Yellen doesn't want to admit it, you know, the Biden administration doesn't want to admit it, we are in a recession. And when I was in this room with very intelligent people. We also had, you know, some speakers, 
there was a gentleman from uh, Ray Dalio's, you know, mo- again, one of the most successful hedge funds, I think arguably the most successful hedge fund in the history of hedge funds. Uh, one of his main advisors from Bridgewater and Associates speaking, a couple other smart money hedge fund guys coming in and speaking. And the collective, you know, this, they all varied, but the collective narrative was that the recession, one guy said recession is going to be short and it's going to be, you know, a relatively shallow recession. He thinks it's going to be quick. Then the other two said, strap in and buckle up. It's going to get pretty ugly. You know, as we see what the Fed is trying to do, they're going to raise interest rates again in July. And, you know, the liquidity in the market is going to start, I don't want to say drying up, but it's going to start shrinking a little bit. It's not going to be as accessible it's not going to be as easy to get. Underwriting is going to be a little bit harder on, you know, borrowers, on assets. They're going to chop down LTVs. You're going to see big money hedge funds, you know, ultimately start to position themselves for what they believe is going to be a massive opportunity to generate returns and profits for themselves, for their investors And ultimately, when you think about recessions, it's one of the greatest wealth building times that most people don't get to participate in. You know, when I look at what the smart money is doing right now, many of them, we're in the shift right now, literally. We're in this shift right now where smart money is going, oh, okay, what we're seeing right now and what could potentially still be coming, again, more are calling for drops, further drops in the stock market if consumer confidence continues to drop, consumer spending continues to slow, and people start to pull more dollars out of certain investment vehicles, you're going to see a little bit of a drop in other things. Earnings, you know, are going to probably get adjusted, in my opinion, on certain companies as we see more data come out in July. And if earnings are bad, we're going to see the stock market drop a little bit more, in my opinion. Are you an accredited investor looking for more passive income investment opportunities? If so, text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555. This will get you on my accredited investor list. And anytime we have a new exclusive syndication opportunity that you can invest in, you will be the first to know. That's DEALS to 844-447-1555. I don't think we're going to see a big crash in the real estate market. For all these people that are going, you know, worried about the real estate market, you know, I think we have to remember that, you know, the Biden administration made a lot of this very, very worse when it didn't need to be by virtually ending domestic oil production and just turning the lever off, creating even more of a supply shortage. But no, it's Putin's pump problems. No, it's not. It's Biden's pump problems. So now we've got soaring gas prices. Worse yet, the soaring cost of labor is now compounding. Too many people were sitting on their couch collecting, you know, the Biden bucks. 
And the only way to get them back to work was to triple entry-level wages. I mean, I'm literally paying my housekeepers astronomical you know, wages. I'm paying my housemen. I'm paying some of our managers wages that were just non-existent before the pandemic. But we got to get people back to work. You know, that loaf of bread that used to be delivered by $2 of gas and put on the shelf by a $10 an hour worker is now delivered with $6 in gas and stocked by a $30 an hour worker. So guess what? Yep, your price of bread and food costs have gone up. People coming out of their, you know, caves after quarantine definitely, you know, spiked the housing market. Simultaneously, you got the cost of materials, lumber, copper, steel, right? Labor, other supplies. Those all drove up the prices of house. And the production had slowed down at that time as well, creating a further shortage. House prices, right, have increased 29% since the end of 2019 and 18% since the end of 2020. And they're projected to jump another 8 to 9% in 2022. We're not going to see a major crash. There's still a major housing shortage. Pricing is dictated based on supply and demand. You see it with food. You saw it with toilet paper. You see it with gas. You see it with houses. If this didn't teach you something about how critical, if you want to simplify and narrow it down to one thing, supply and demand. You know, I saw Dave Ramsey post, uh, whether you love him or hate him, I saw him post something the other day that I thought was interesting. He said, you know, 1981 mortgage rates were 18% and there was no housing crash. People are so concerned thinking that because the Fed is raising rates right now that the housing market is going to have some catastrophic bottom falling out. And it's just not, in my opinion, going to happen. I think once we see the economy slow to the level that the Fed feels that it's healthy to equalize this supply and demand balance where hopefully they can get inflation back down to the, you know, 3%-ish range, they're going to start probably dropping rates again. They don't want to see the economy slow down. They don't want to see GDP, you know, get curbed. They want to see us ripping and making money and continuing to argue that we are still the most powerful economy on the planet. So just because mortgage rates are jumping, right? Like Dave Ramsey said, when, you know, mortgage rates went to 18%, there was no housing crash. There was no huge drop in prices. I didn't sell as many houses and some sellers use price to attract one of the few buyers that were out there, but the market as a whole just sat relatively steady, went horizontal. And that's where you can think, okay, well, we're going to see the economy slow down. We're still probably going to see high gas prices for a while. We are going to be in a recession. There still is a good amount, as Jerome Powell said, you know, many Americans are sitting in a relatively flush position right now. There's a lot of, when you print as much money as they printed, guess what? That needs to find a home and that takes some time. But many people do believe, smart money does believe that opportunity is coming. We're seeing big hedge funds literally put pauses on 
buying assets altogether. We're seeing other hedge funds say, you know what, we're just chopping our due diligence analysis down by 20 to 30% today. Maybe another 10%, depending on what we see in July or 20% what we see in July. And maybe we're going to buy and dollar cost average our way through because we're playing more of a macro picture. So keep that in mind, right? Are you playing a short-term game or are you playing a long-term game? Because if you're playing a long-term game and the asset is in a good location, right, or the you know investment is well-positioned in the marketplace, whatever context you want to apply that to, and you can weather the worst-case scenario happening in the short-term over the course of a 12- or 24-month, because generally speaking, recessions are window-wise – a year and a half to three years on the high side. So let's just say worst case scenario, you can weather some of those storms worst case over the course of a year and a half, two years, three years, but you're holding these assets long-term, don't pass up on a good deal. If you get expensive money on debt and it still makes financial sense and you can still weather that storm and maybe you need to go and refinance or recap the deal, in two years or three years or four years or five years when money goes back down again, then you can ultimately, right, continue to have a bullish approach over the course of the long term, even in short-term challenging markets. But here's what I think, and this is what a lot of smart money talked about. In this room, many people think we're going to see a seller finance slash subject to slash mortgage wrap opportunity of a lifetime. Reason being is what occurred over the last two years? Historically low interest rates. A lot of people got mortgages that is not bad debt. They're not going to be forced to sell because they have bad debt. They're going to be forced to liquidate some of their assets or sell or look at options because they didn't operate properly or they were making poor financial decisions. So I believe that there's going to be some amazing opportunities to do subject to loan assumptions and say, you know what, I'm not going to go qualify with the bank. I'm just going to get this seller to agree a subject to, you know, purchase. If those don't know what that is, it is you are purchasing a property, an asset subject to the existing mortgage staying in place. So you don't have to go qualify with the bank. You don't have to, you know, go put a ton of money down. You can do creative seller financing terms. That's how back in 2011, 12, 13, 14, I got a bunch of my single family properties on subject twos. People were in a financial, you know, distress situation, in a hardship. The mortgage and the debt was good on it. I could step into it, take over the payment, and ultimately still cash flow the assets. And I could, you know, pay some of these people a little bit of money to help them out of their situation. It was a win-win and everybody was happy. And then when you know, it made sense. I went and refinanced after owning and seasoning, you know, the debt and the asset in my name for a year, two years. I go back to a bank and say, hey, I've owned this property and, you know, what can you do for me here? 
right? So there's going to be a lot of smart money is looking at a lot of creative ways because there's great debt out in the marketplace that is most likely going to be assumable or can be assumed. And you can step into getting mortgages without having to go qualify with the bank and run through all the due diligence and underwriting red tape and bringing, you know, 20% down, you know, and depleting your cash reserves. And you can get into some great assets with long-term quality debt on them that are probably going to have great interest rates. So that's something that a lot of smart money is paying attention to. But what we do know, again, is that things are slowing down. Occupancy rate for hotels is down 4.1% nationwide compared to this same week in 2019. Realtor.com reports weekly inventory is up 25% year over year. We're seeing the consumer price index, you know, remain relatively high and we're not, you know, certain things dropping to the levels that they want it to drop. We're also seeing builders' confidence slow a little bit. We've got a lot of data that is showing us that the market is going to continue to slow. So pay attention to what the big boys and what the big girls are doing. Most big investors, most big developers, you know, most big syndicators, they're being more cautious. They're being more patient. They're underwriting deals a little bit more aggressively. And ultimately, they're just taking their time to see when you're in the shift, you don't want to try and catch a falling knife, as my brother Jake Harris would say. Shout out to his book, Catching Falling Knives. It's what many people try to do, time the market. Mr. Breedwell talks about it every single week on our Wealth Building Wednesday shows. Don't try and time the market. Fundamental investment strategies, macro long-term picture, and execute. So I'm looking forward to what kinds of opportunities are going to come through this next shift and what we're going to see here that the market gives us over these next couple of weeks, the Fed's going to be coming out with all kinds of data. I would expect that they will probably not say formally. They don't want to, you know, put everybody on notice that things are going. Maybe they do. I don't know. But it will get talked about. We will know that we're in a technical recession. And when smart money is doing what they're doing right now, they're three to six months ahead of everybody else. So if they're positioning themselves the way they are and the way we see them doing that, then we think there's going to be that trickle-down-the-tree effect that eventually people start to understand we're in a recession, things are going to start to slow. But it could be short and shallow. It could be long and deep. Ultimately, the reality of the situation is no one knows. All you can do, keep your awareness up, be around the right people, be in the right conversations, consistently take action. The best ways to create certainty in uncertain times is to keep moving. Keep moving in the direction. Keep your awareness up. Keep looking at the feedback. Keep looking at the data and continue to make the next best decision for yourself, your family, your financial future. So with that being said, happy 4th of July, y'all. 
wishing everybody a safe and amazing holiday. Make some great memories. I'm going to be up in Lake Tahoe kicking it with my fam, sitting my ass somewhere under a nice pop-up tent and a nice chair with some ice-cold brewskis, some hot dogs, watching the kids play in the lake, spending some time with my beautiful wife, and just being grateful for the fact that we got the freedoms that we do. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget, all I ask, please share it out with friends, family members. We continue to grow the podcast because of you guys. Our downloads have doubled. We're hitting some level of momentum. I don't know who's finding us, where y'all are finding us, but I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Please leave a review in iTunes. And if you haven't shot me a text yet to say what up, 844-447-1555. If you wanna get on the list for my investor mastermind, tour of Tahoe. We're going to tour my hotels. We're going to stay in my hotels. We're going to look at behind the scenes of how we're running the hotel business, how we're investing in hospitality as an asset class, looking at other commercial assets as well, and having a bunch of fun with some really cool people. So text the word Tahoe to 844-447-1555. Also, if you want to know more about the upcoming Napa mixer that Ryan and I are working on putting together, you can text the word NAPA to 844-447-1555. Until next week's episode, cheers. Cheers.